the last stand-down. Episode 8 Another nice morning in London town. Hey, they all bloody dip and blind around here. It's the English way, old champ. We don't talk to anyone we have not been formally introduced to. It's been the same for hundreds of years. Yeah, well, just bloody ignorant. So, you giving me a smoke, Angus? Or do I have to wait to be introduced to do it or something? Oh, sorry, Hemi. Here you go. I'm just trying to soak it all in. Yep. Three days ago, you were living your usual Scottish life until a Pom and a Mary lose their car and change it all. Aye, life turns on a dime, <laughs> as the Yanks say. So you're Ahmed. Since no one else is going to introduce us, just damned inconsiderate, don't you think, old chap? Yes, Emmett Khan, at your service, sir. And where do you come from, Ahmed? I live in Kensington. Yeah, bro, but you weren't born here, eh? I know that. You're a mountain man. Actually, you were right. I was born in Sakardu in West Pakistan. Right, a mountain man. I just knew it, eh, bro? Sorry, I'm not used to answering personal questions. Personal? How, bro? The first thing we want to know about someone is their mountain, their river and their tribe. That's the Māori way, eh, John? You're right, Hemi. My mountain is Wakapuni, my river is Afia, and my tribe, my iwi, is Ngāti Kahanganuhu. So, you're from the Wadarapa, huh? My mountain is Nungotaha, my river is Puringa, and part of me is from the tribe of Maxwell. Maxwell? That's Scottish. Yeah. My tangata, my grandfather, came from some place in Scotland. Dumoulin or something like that. Dumoulin. Not Dunfermline. Yeah, sounds like it. That's where I come from. I brought John and Belinda down from there yesterday. No shit, bro. So we're all mountain men. Mountain men? By Jove, I would never thought of it like that. So chap, how do four mountain men from the four corners end up meeting in this flat little country, hey? Maybe it's coincidence, maybe it's not. Allah makes no mistake, my friends. We are always where we are supposed to be. Well Angus, why did our car get stolen in your town and not one of the others that we passed through? And how did you just happen to be there when I was asking for help? It's just a coincidence. Well, you think it's coincidence meeting me and then meeting another Maori from your hometown, then that's coincidence, right? There is no coincidence. But you still have to wonder about things. You see, I've tried all my life to get out of Dunfermline. You know, see the world do different things. Is that right? Every time I tried to leave, something stopped me. Met a woman, lost a woman, got sick, got a promotion, and I give up thinking, oh, I'm stuck there for life. Just when you don't expect it. Aye, whoosh, here I am talking to a bunch of foreigners in London town. So how does that work, eh? As I said. Yeah, yeah, no coincidence, right? How does that happen? Oh, you want another fag, Hemi? I thought you'd never ask, mate. And I thought I was here to get our Ponamu back. And look what's happened. It's not what I had planned. So you think if we figure out what we're here for, really here for, nattering on this London street, then we can figure it all out? No one knows, Angus, is my guess. A lot of people tell me they have the answer to life and they all end up wrong and then dead. Yeah, I had an auntie who told me to stop trying to work it out, eh, as it would crack my brain. <laughs> that's what my sister told me when she visited last time. Oh, and that's your sister, the one in the suit upstairs. Aye, that's her, that's Mary. Yeah, she's a wise one, all right. Maybe, but don't tell her, she'll get a big heed. In the meantime, we don't know the answers, but we know the questions for today. What? So, Hemi, how do we find your Ponamu, 
And how do we get our free energy machines to the public and stop those against them giving us grief? Yes, that sums it up, John. But what do we do now? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing. Look at it logically, Angus. You only got what you wanted when you stopped trying, right? I guess. Look, I'll put everything into this free energy technology, and all I've got is trouble so far. Hemi's put a lot into getting his Panamu back, and all he's got is trouble too. So we do nothing. So you tell me what else has worked, Angus. It just isn't what we usually do, is it? Well, you just don't go around doing nothing. So, it's best to go around doing something. Yeah, well, hell, I don't bloody know. Look, sorry old champ, we have no more answers than you have. He's right, Angus. We're all trying to get somewhere, and the more we try, the further we are away from it, whatever it is. So why don't we do, just do nothing? <laughs> Maybe take a day off, stop trying for a day and see what happens. The Committee for an Action. That's us. Yeah, bro, maybe that's the way, eh? I'm not giving up on our Tonga. No way. But maybe I can leave it for a day. Just hang loose. Look, Hemi, Mary's flat's a bit small for a corridor. A talk. For us all. And you probably need it refueling, right? Yeah, right. So, why don't you two go find a cafe down the road and I'll go get the others? Sounds like a plan. Hemi, what do you think you're doing? What? They won't miss one little packet of smokes? We can't just go stealing stuff. They won't miss You don't bloody see it, man. See what? You get back what you give out. That's what. They call it karma. I call it bullshit. Well, I call it stupid. And don't be surprised if you don't find your Panamu till you've changed your mind on nicking stuff, Hemi. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Now, get over here and pay for them. You do your iwi no pono, no honour at all. Yeah, shit, John. You know what? You remind me? My grandmother. She says stuff like that. So, the Committee for Inaction has spoken. Everyone has decided not to do anything today. Just stay still and ponder the meaning of life. Look, John, I'm blessed if I know what you mean. But, while I've had quite enough dashed action for a lifetime, I don't think we should be still for too long, you know? I think what John is saying is that we take this opportunity to get really clear about what we want. I agree! A bloody holiday for the rest of my life! And a prince having to pay for it. Yeah, and a cold beer. And a wahine. A woman for me. So, Hemi, how did you find us at the hotel? You got some sort of contraption to track us, eh? Yeah, bro. It's called a mobile. Is that it? But how? Well, actually, after your James Bond chap had a go at me at Ahmed's house, this Brian just phoned Greg and told him Sam was being released and to follow him. So we did. Right. Yeah, easy when you have contact. So they knew I was sneaking out. Yeah, I guess so. What? They pretended to be nice and let me go when they actually wanted me to go so I could lead them to you. Gosh, I feel so dratted stupid now. They were on to me all the time. Look, Sam, you've been in the thick of it all along. You can't be expected to think straight under all that fear and stress. Thanks, Belinda. Do you want to tell us what's been happening with you? You might have some clues for us. I'm not entirely sure. Much of the last few days have been in the dark with persons unknown. So what did they do to you? Well, I was kidnapped. Trapped, interrogated, left alone for hours on end, interrogated again, abused, disbelieved, fed a little, and eventually believed by one who took a big risk to allow me to escape. Quite a few days then. Yes, quite a few days. I, I guess they thought I had the plans, the power and the money to give them, but I didn't. But Sam, uh, I mean, so how, how did you find us here? That's easy. <laughs> this nice 
chap who pretended to be sneaking me out, I now realised, whispered, that I should ring Mary. So I did. Really? Yes. But I now see he was leading them to you through me. I suppose that's what happened. It, it, it's all so confusing. Oh, you poor thing, Sam. It's been a, a big couple of days. So what's it all about, Sam? Who are they and what do they think you had? These plans must be worth it to go to all this trouble. Yes, Sam, we all seem to be at the edges, but you're at the centre of it all. Well, uh, Lord Atkins is the instigator. He's the man at the centre of the FSA, the Financial Services Authority investigation. He's got so much to lose and very little to gain in all of this. Mm, I hadn't thought of it as a lose-win thing, Sam, for my father. What is that? John and I have been trying to have this technology accepted somewhere, anywhere, really. We had no idea how you and Daddy were going to achieve or finance it. Ah, yes, <coughs> the finance. I suppose I can let you in on that as there's no one else around. I just get a little suspicious after what I went through. We'll keep a lookout for anyone poking around here. So, yes, in a nutshell, then Charles came to me with his crazy scheme. He discovered that you two, John and Belinda, had these amazing plans. I'd never seen him so excited. Really? Absolutely. More than he let on. I've known him a long time. Anyway, he knew lots of people, and so did I. So we pooled our resources. And, well, I had a friend who worked at EAB. EAB? Ah, the, the Empire Aid Bank. And he knew how things worked there. You know, how the Department for International Development gives EAB the money to spend on international aid. <laughs> I'm confused, Sam. Well, when they give money for aid, some of it goes towards administration, like 40%, and somehow the rest gets swallowed up in sundry other costs, leaving very little for the blighters who actually need it. What a complete waste. Wouldn't it be better spent looking after the needy people? Exactly, John. Charles and I both agree on that one. So. That's what actually our plan for us, really. Yes, how? Well, with my friend's help, Charles created a project in Kenya. There's huge sums of money being poured in there, as you know. And it's one of Africa's wealthiest states. Right. So Charles created this needy project, got the money, and then moved it back here to England through the Royal Bank of Scotland. Now, here's the tricky and clever part. I get made money's pretty clever, sir. Yes, it was, Angus. And, uh, <clears throat> Sam, by the way, not sir, uh, to all of you, if you don't mind. Well, the clever part was that the Olympics were coming up in a few years, and it seemed to Charles it would be the best publicity possible to have this free energy technology showcased to the world. I'm starting to get it. So once we had that, and with proper backing and more awareness, we could take it to the poorer countries to really make a difference for them. So you're talking practical aid, right? Absolutely. That was the plan. That's brilliant, sir. I mean, Sam. Yes, well, we thought so, Angus. But there were a few stumbling blocks along the way. And what were they? 
one being the power and fuel companies that would suffer as a result. We guessed they would block it. Of course, they have so much power, excuse the pun, they can veto anything. Exactly. So Charles's grand plan was meet them head on and give them a benefit from it. A benefit? Yes. So we both knew the chairman of POCO, the company who had the contract to supply gas and electricity to the Olympics. And he agreed to allow us the cycling arena. A cycling arena? Yes. We were going to supply free power to the cycling arena. The deal was we'd pay POCO what they'd make in profit if they'd done it. So they got the money for nothing. Right. Then, if it was a success, they'd have a share in the profits of all future ventures worldwide. They still to make a lot of money. The greedy buggers, Sam. You're right, Haley. but we had to have them on our side. So we made a deal. They couldn't refuse. It was very different from what happened in New Zealand. How? Well, we just got stymied every step of the way with companies pressuring the then Muldoon government. Right, I'm starting to understand it all now. So over here, we decided to only deal with the biggest players. It's also the reason we kept John and Belinda out of it as much as we could. I knew there was a good reason behind it. What about getting a patent? Uh, We couldn't do that because we'd risk losing the whole thing under the military use patent provision, which is how they eventually scuppered the plans in New Zealand. So you needed to keep them secret with no patent? Yes, and you know anyone could have stolen them and put a patent on them in another country and everything would be lost to us and the development world. It was a risk. So, what happened? Well, the big plan was to launch the new technology at the Olympics and the international media exposure would ensure that the idea could never be hidden again by governments. This would enable us to get a worldwide patent. Oh, my God, Sam, that's brilliant. Uh, Thank you, Angus. Uh, We thought so too. So, is that it? Not quite, Mary. There was one fly in the ointment. A rather big fly, actually. And what was that, Sam? We had signed a secret agreement with Sir Magnus at Poco, but somehow the secret got out. How did that happen? I'm not sure, really, but the more people involved, the more difficult it was to contain things. And one of the subsidiary oil companies wanted to stop it. But they would have benefited as well. That's true, but... It's all about perception. There's a saying, if you see the world as fearful, you'll see everyone as your enemy. True, very true. And the oil industry is run by fear. Fear of imminent scarcity. They see everyone as the enemy. And because the new technology is free, it's free of fear. Absolutely, John, absolutely. All we wanted to do was to launch an energy system available to all, meaning less to fight over. Oh, well, we'll just have to go back to fighting over religion. (laughs) Or land like we do back home. You're right, but this was going to be our contribution to world peace. Do you have any idea who's behind the scuttling of the plan, Sam? Not yet, Belinda, but I have a feeling it might be some members of the same consortium in New Zealand. They may be part of this over here. Really? Not sure, 
We're really not sure on that. We may never find out. What a story, Sam. Now, what's with the briefcase and the papers inside? Oh, uh, Ailey, that's rather interesting. It actually came from the free energy technology. Really? Well, after Poco's takeover of several competitors, they found themselves with several spare buildings in Britain. Luckily, they gave us four small facilities for free in acknowledgement of the deal and to set up our own equipment. And that led to something, right? Absolutely, John. We split the manufacturing into three factories that didn't know each other with the final assembly in the fourth factory. No one knew the whole process. It was a secret. Even for me. That's true. But Lord Atkinson was insistent that his family, including you, John, were to be kept safe at all times. Right. Anyway, during the process, in one of the fact, one of the markers stopped writing, or so we thought. You're telling us it started writing in invisible ink, eh? That's exactly right, Angus. You are correct. So, we left it. One of our technicians began working on an invisible writing. They spent months on it. So the plans we thought were the real ones were actually bogus? Absolutely, John. Bogus. They'll never work. And the same for the plans delivered to me by you, Mary. We had to make the plans safe. Sorry, John and Belinda. I think someone's up there watching and taking photos. Haley, look out! What the hell? You can't go around killing people. Ah, shut the hell up. The film's ours. Now piss off. Unless you want more of my treatment. Uh, I'm the free press in a public place. You can't just do that. Just did, mate. Now, how fast can you run? Well done, Hemi. I nearly hit you with this camera, Haley. I should have looked better. No one else was alert like you were. We're lucky you were here. Yeah, I suppose so. Thanks. That superintendent said we should keep a lookout for snooping reporters, right? Thanks, Hemi. But you just can't go around injuring the press. I mean, what would the implications be? Hey, bro, shut up, will ya? It's done, so legalities don't count. Question is, what do we do now? Keep the film safe. See what else is on it later. I wonder how much he overheard? Hopefully not too much. This is the very thing I was afraid of. Like I said, with the film out, so let's go. God, it seems like we've been running all our lives. So what do we do? What did our committee for inaction decide this morning? Yeah, well, I broke the rules, didn't I? Sometimes you got to break the rules and do stuff. Hey, Hemi, you're a hero. Oh, I'm not complaining. Just wondering what's next. Well, I say let's go. Can we take a quick vote on it? I say go, but it might confuse them if we stay. Belinda? Do what they don't expect. Okay, who votes for another coffee and more to eat? Aye. Ah, oh, geez, fellas, they come for us from the roof and you all want to sit here and drink more coffee. But go, and we gotta go now. You know, Hemi, you did a brilliant job a moment ago and you saved us, but we don't know what's out there waiting for us, do we? Yes, Belinda, you're absolutely right. Running isn't good for anyone. I know, I've tried it. We need to plan something before we act. Ah, oh, you're just chicken, bro. I'm out of here. Hey, Hemi, and where's going it alone got you in the past? Hey, that's a low blow. But a true blow, Hemi. You've been a lone wolf all your life. How'd you know? Well, because I've been there too, brother. I've been there too. When did you change your ways? When I met this bloody pommy bird here. 
and learned about the true connection with another, it's your time to choose. Cause I want different. I'm sick to death of all this lone wolf stuff. Like you said, I feel like a bloody sissy now. I see no sissy, Hamy. I see a man who stood for his tribe, a group of strangers in fact, and saved their mission, maybe their lives. I see a true warrior. Ah, you bloody bigoof. What do you want to say stuff like that for, Koro? Koro? Oh, Koro means old man. It's a compliment. Wise old man, really. Hey, everyone. They're out there. Now, take it easy, my good man. Slow down. You pay me to keep others out. Is that right, Sam? You yes, did that? Yes, a, a few dollars for a little peace and quiet. Now, who's out there? Is it the police? Reporters? Who, exactly? <laughs> Maybe... Maybe they weren't climbing lessons. No, no, not uniforms. Could be newspaper peoples. Actually, it doesn't matter who they are. It's not what we want, is it? Actually, maybe we can put them to good use. Good use? We want publicity for this free energy technology, don't we? Yes, Haley, exactly. Brilliant. I have got it. Let's use them. But what are we going to say? We need a plan of what to say and what not to say. You're right, yes. We need a battle plan. We need more time for this, eh? Uh, yes, Oppie. J just come on down to the Lucky Cafe. We we we're all here, but you might have to leave your way past a, a crowd that's building out the front. Hayley, can you help me move some chairs around and set this up a little for the reporters to sit down? Right, John. Like a press conference? Yes, we might need to get some more chairs. There's more over there. So, is everyone ready for this? I'll tell the reporters when they come in to take a seat, while we wait for Scotland Yard's finest to arrive. Thanks for coming today to hear what we have to say. And I'm sure this is going to be a big story for you, London and the world at large. Today, love? I'm feeling, oh, good to see you, Joan. Oh, that's good to hear. Now, look, your tests came back and show no brain damage. They said it's just a surface wound. You mean to tell me, Joan, there's been someone in my head while I've been away? <laughs> I wonder if they're still there. Arthur Bailey, I do believe that sense of humour of yours is returning. I wonder what else has changed. Get me home and you'll find out. <laughs> They're saying you may need to spend another day in here, so hold on to that thought. I will. So what's been happening, Joan, you know, with everything outside? Oh, well, a lot has happened, and it's all been in the papers. There's reporters wanting to speak with you about all of this, and there's even talk of books being written about all these events too. Really? I, I can't imagine why. Well, firstly, Toby and Amanda were finally released from police custody. Lord Atkinson intervened after hearing about it. You know, he insisted they recuperated his country mansion as a thank you. Gosh, that's nice of him. Uh, what happened to that uh, uh, George Sanderson? Well, he appeared before the Police Disciplinary Commission and was placed on three months suspension. Is that all? Yes, but then he was sent away to Mallorca to recover properly. He was then promoted on his return to fill the gap left by his retiring boss. Can you believe that? Yes, I can. Those chaps at the top never get what they deserve. And what about Superintendent Hopkins? Uh, what happened to him? 
Well, that's a strange one. He's moved on to an organization that is less influenced by government. He wanted to continue to protect innocent victims from corporate crime. Yes, he deserves a better deal. Yes, I agree. You you mentioned Toby and Amanda briefly. Uh, how, how are they? Oh, they called yesterday and they're doing fine for good. At the Atkinsons? Why, yes, it seems they found each other at the right time. They're a match made in heaven, Arthur. <laughs> if you say so. The Atkinsons are really looking after them. So much so, they seem to have adopted Toby as the son they never had. He deserves it too, as he had such a tough life growing up, you know. I suppose the next thing you'll be telling me is that Toby and Amanda are going to get married. How did you guess? Everything turned out just fine, don't you think? Here we are in Cornwall. It would seem that way, Joan. I know it's only been six months, but it was a good outcome for Lord Atkinson. With Sam's help, they were able to form the Robert Adams Free Energy Trust. The Olympics publicity helped them too, just like they said it would. What about Mary, your old boss? Yes, she told me she ended up with her Prince Charming. Very happy with her, Sam. And Ahmed? Well, he's just been released after the shooting of a New Zealander. He's been pardoned. There's some high-level influence there, I'm told. Something to do with the New Zealand government not wanting any further scandal about Robert Adams. Oh. <laughs> and what about Haley? <laughs> what a surprise she is. She joined Ahmed. Mary, Sam and Angus all working for the Trust. It all turned out well for them, and the company's doing very well, I hear. Now, what about the other New Zealander, Arthur? You mean Hemi? Yes, Hemi. What happened to him? After that famous press conference at the Lucky Cafe, Sam received a call from a friend, another lord, about Hemi's family's stolen artefacts and had them returned to Hemi. But Sam certainly has some connections. He sure does. Hemi collected them and returned to New Zealand. He handed them over to his grateful grandfather. And our son's taken a good turn, you think, Arthur? Yes, Martin, well... He knows he's head over heels with Emily. Mm, but Emily's not so sure. Seems to think he needs more time before she can get too serious. Yes, good old practical Emily. The children are happy, though. Mm, I think they'll make a lovely family. Yes, I do hope they do get married one day, Joan. Emily's just what Martin needs. Absolutely. And remember John and Belinda? Yes. Well, John and Belinda both work for the Trust, too, as consultants. They're often called in to mediate disputes when companies feel threatened by the free energy machines. And that tall, blonde, mysterious Australian, uh, 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 Greg, yes, he, he seems to have disappeared. I presume he recovered from his wounds. No one knows. I suppose it doesn't really matter now. No, not at all. Oh, you know, I do like living down here by the sea at Cornwall. Who would have thought this would be our new home and you would have a new job? Yes, being part-time, we can enjoy life a little. I, I do enjoy my job as an insurance director for the RAFET, Free Energy Trust Business. I really enjoy being able to work from home, but... But what? Well, the, the, this probably sounds churlish, complaining, uh, and I'm not, well, not really. But honestly, I still kind of feel trapped. It's that same feeling all over again. Oh, so what can we do about that? Maybe travel a little?
This was a wonderful idea to come all this way, Arthur. After two years, we finally made it to Uluru, Ayers Rock, just like you said we would. Oh, I love it out here. So peaceful and the stars at night. I've never seen so many. Yes, this was a terrific idea of Martin's for us to go travelling. We should have done this years ago. Well, these last couple of years certainly have been <laughs> interesting. Yes, they have. I wonder what's next for us. Hmm, more travelling, I hope. I think I'd like to go on a European tour next. I wonder who that could be. I, I thought I'd switched it off. Arthur, is that Arthur Bailey? Uh, yes, yes, it, it is. Uh, who, who is this? Hey, mate, I got your number from Superintendent Hopkins from Scotland Yard a while back. Wasn't sure if it was still your number. Well, it is me, but uh, who is this again? Oh, sorry, mate. It's Greg, Greg Cousins. Remember me, the one who was shot at the hotel a couple of years ago? Oh, yeah, yeah, it's great. Hemi told us about you. We never found out what happened to you in all the fuss back then. It was all kept quiet. Look, Arthur, I really need to talk to you. There's something you really need to know. Things might not be over yet. We need to meet. Oh, dear. It will have to wait a couple of weeks, though. Where are you? Well, I'm not in London, but actually down in Australia at Uluru. Well, as soon as you get back, okay? Uh, right. Who was that on the phone? That was Greg Cousins. Remember him? Yes. He attacked you on the street, stole your keys, made threats. Of course I remember him. He seemed quite perturbed. Of course. I suppose he wants something. I don't trust him. I don't know him. He's alive and wants to meet up when we return. Well, he'll just have to wait because we're here to enjoy life a little for a while. I have to wonder what he's got to say though. The Last Stand Down is an eight episode fiction audio drama adapted from the novel by Philip J. Bradbury Written and produced by Philip J. Bradbury and Jeffrey Milne. The Last Stand Down was performed by Alan Youngson, Janet Finlay, Richard Edwards, Willie James, Dylan Hodge, Carly Wilson, Danielle Channing, Sumit Bansal and Philip Bradbury. With additional voices in this episode by Julio Cesar Correa and Casey Milne. Theme music by 10 Grams. Cover art photo by Laura Schwett. Executive Producers Jeffrey Milne and Philip J. Bradbury. The Last Stand Down is a Brisbane Podcasting Centre audio production, recorded and produced during the COVID-19 pandemic 2020, with all voices recorded safely and remotely. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts and give it a rating. You can read more about The Last Stand Down by going to thelaststanddownpodcast.com where you can also find additional links to storylines and a link to the Philip J. Bradbury novel on Amazon through philipjbradbury.com. Thanks for listening to The Last Stand Down.